Experience worship. True worship. Experience the word. Bringing you wholeness. Experience the warmth of fellowship. Experience wholeness at Lighthouse. Join us every Sunday and Wednesday at the Lighthouse. House 7, Plot 2 Stroke 3, Kudratabiola Way, Oregon, Ikeja, Lagos. Visit our website at www.lighthousenergy.org or contact us at info at lighthousenergy.org. The Lighthouse, lighting your pathway to destiny.
the ground of the king of Adam. The fox says that you ought to leave the ground for your victory. Ought leave the ground for your victory. I want us to read Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. Genesis chapter 3, from verse 17. Then to Adam, God said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the fruit of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, says, Cursed is the ground for your sake. So this is the reality of every natural man on earth. He says, In toil you shall eat of it. He didn't say that from now you will not eat. It says in toil, much effort, much struggling, much effort, much, I mean, it says all the days of your life. The next verse, it says both tongues and teaspoons it shall bring forth for you. This is the continuation of the cause placed on the ground. Of man. The head will yield tongues and yield tissues, and you shall hit the heart of the beast. I want you to pay attention to this. When God created the first garden, the Garden of Eden, there was no there were no tongues, there were no tissues in that garden that he created. All the plants. They were luscious. They were beautiful. Nothing like tongues. Nothing like this. But as a result of the cost that he placed on the ground, while man toiled to get the ground to yield crops, out of which man is going to eat, that same ground has now been mandated to yield tongues and to use this. Of course, you know that the tongues are not there to make the plant grow better. They are not there to make... Remember in Matthew chapter 13 now, you know, the Bible talks about the parable of the sower, that some seed fell among thorns. That should be verse 7, okay? Some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. Thorns are meant to choke the right they are meant to choke the right plant. They are meant to ensure that the right plant don't grow the way they should grow. To ensure that even though a farmer puts in effort to growing the crops, they come as unwanted plants. We call them weeds. They come as stones to choke the right Preventing them from yielding their response. You see, the provision we have as believers who are now cut off from this cause. Remember that this was the cause. Genesis chapter 3. This was the. Let's read verse 19 of it. Genesis chapter 3, verse 19 of that scripture. Genesis chapter 3. I've jumped 30, 30 
says, in the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. Does this look like a nice thing? I know that some of us are now beginning to reflect now that what's going on here? This was the result of the fall. The consequence of the fall. It says, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you shall return. It says, but in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. So, when you see a man struggling, sweating, doing all of the hard labors in order to get a daily meal, and he puts in all of his effort, all of the struggling, and all he's able to get is just the daily meal. That person is living the reality of the natural man who is operating under the curse. It's not like the curse is on him, the curse is on the ground. For his sake. Hallelujah. But in the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 3, from verse 13, it says, Christ has redeemed us from what? The curse of the law. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that he might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So you see that for every natural man, there is that operating under the curse. The ground is cursed for their sake. But when you switch ground, when you switch loyalty, when you switch from darkness into light, you switch from operating under that cursed environment into a blessed environment. So it means that as again sowing your seed in a field that is cursed, you are sowing your seed in a field that is blessed. So what it means is that the health don't yield thorns and tissue for you. The health yields blessings for you. So when you switch allegiance, when you come under the new covenant in Christ, there is a switch of your environment. The kind of field that you are tending is different from the kind of field that a natural man is tending. But you see, what makes us walk this reality is when we live out the nature that this new reality so it's possible for someone to be redeemed under the curse because the person has accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He believed in his heart, he made confession, and he has changed. He has been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's light, into the kingdom of God's son. But if he doesn't understand his nature and live out his nature in Christ, his results are that of the natural man. 
is still the commission. You see, one of the things that as believers we must understand that plays a major role in the outcome of our life. The reason why a lot of believers don't get the kind of yield that we ought to be getting because we operate the blessings of Abraham. Can you remember how blessed Abraham was? The Bible says he was blessed in cattle. He was blessed in everything. The reason why we don't operate it is because there are certain things that are missing. The first is our mindset. You know, we are believers, but we still carry a poverty mindset. You know what poverty mentality means? That mindset of insufficiency. So you rather keep to yourself, withhold to yourself, because it's not enough. So whatever we have, you know, from the handle of those, this is not even enough for me. This is not even enough for me and my spouse. This is not even enough for me and my children. You know, people even withhold from their spouses. They keep it away. So this one is only for me.
Abinu. <laughs> when they brought us Abinu, it was disrespectful. They said, we have five bread, two fish. But what is this? What is, what is this? You see, God will never underestimate whatever it is that he has placed in your hand. But unfortunately, we look down on those things that God has placed in our hands. Five loaves of bread, two fishes, with a mindset that was ready to feed everybody. Five loaves of bread, two fishes, with a mindset that was ready to feed everybody. And we saw the miracle. You know, sometimes I just reflect, I just think that, what kind of understanding did some of our very old women in faith had? Some of them, all they had was just, you know, maybe they were selling things by the side of the road, you know, or cooking, you know, different things. And out of those things, they will not only train their children, they will train their siblings' children, train somebody on the street, you know, build houses. Because you see, the moment you open your mind to be a blessing, resources will always flow in your direction. The moment you open your mind to always be a blessing, resources will flow in your direction. You see, one of the principles that God has set in place, it's a universal principle. And I was telling us some time ago about different principles. Some principles are universal. If you are a believer and you work it, we get the results. If you are not a believer and you work it, you will get results. The Bible says that give and it shall be given to you. Give and it shall be given to you. Luke 6 says this. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Shall men give unto your bosom? Give, and it shall be given. You see, one of the things that keeps people bound is that mindset of it's not enough. It's not enough. You know, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. This is one of the scriptures estrays this thing. It says, there is one who scatters, yet increases more. Have you thought about it? There is one person. His attitude, his disposition, is given. Given. Can I have this in maybe like NLT version? Just Let's just see like it says, give freely and become what? Please read it for me. Read it to your neighbor. Read it to your neighbor. the scriptures. 
John 3 says, say, for God so loved the world that he gave. He's a giving God. The Bible says that God is a son and a shield. He gives grace and glory. No good thing will live withhold. No good thing will live withhold. It don't withhold. It doesn't withhold. So it's important. I want to just quickly highlight some key benefits of generosity. You know, I know by now you already understand what generosity means. You know, that attitude of being open-handed. That attitude of wanting to give. That attitude of wanting to be a blessing. Beyond what is naturally you know, required. People of the world will tell you that, no, you have to keep to yourself, keep to yourself, keep to yourself, you know, in order to, to increase. But the scripture is different. Give freely. You will become wealthy. You will become wealthy. Let's look at some very quick benefits of generosity. Number one, generosity evokes blessing. Generosity evokes blessing. We already seen Luke chapter 6, verse 38. It says, Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give to you. But with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Meaning, if you do it scantily, get it scantily. If you do it, you know, Genesis chapter 18, you can read verse 1 to 16. This was about Abraham. Genesis 18, you can read verse 1 to 16. Just take it out. Hebrews 13, verse 2 as well. Hebrews 13, verse 2 talks about faith being like, you know, the patriarch who, by hospitality, entertains strangers. But it was angels that they were actually entertaining and they didn't know. By just being a blessing, giving to people that are in need. One of the key things about Abraham was that in that chapter 18, right, that Genesis chapter 18, was when God actually visited him. But God didn't come to him directly. So you saw the men, they were standing, and they looked like people that have been traveling and were exhausted. And he just decided that these people are exhausted. Let me be a blessing to them. He invited them over. He asked that, please, can you come over? He invited them over. You know, give them opportunity to wash their feet and prepare the meal for them. And it was after or in the process of eating the meal that they asked about Sarah. And they gave him a sure word. By this time next year. You see, he has been carrying the word. He has been carrying the, you know, all over. But he got a definite date from that experience. By this time next year, generosity evokes blessing. Remember the story of the Shunammite woman. Second Kings chapter four, verse eight to seventeen. Second Kings chapter four, verse eight to seventeen. The man, the woman was doing fairly well. But he had a desire that was very germane to her. And she got the opportunity. The man of God was always going through that road. And he decided that this man that is always coming here, let's be a blessing to him. Now, you begin to see different ways that we can 
be a blessing. He decided to be a blessing to a man of God. Accommodated the man. Each time you're passing, you can stop by here. You know, fed the man at all. And the man has that. You've been kind. You've been nice. Do you want us to speak to you? Speak to the king about you? You see, you can see the reason why she was blessed because of her practice. She never allows opportunity to be a blessing to pass her by. And that's why she was at the point where she was. And now she stepped into a new dimension by being a blessing through a man of God. She gave him a word by this time next year. The same thing. Had a visitation and he had a child. If you look down in Second Kings chapter eight, there was another beautiful experience that she had there. Given Solomon, Second Chronicles one verse seven. Second Chronicles one verse seven. This is the part that you know a lot of believers really need to understand. You must learn to open your heart and your treasure to God lavishly. I don't know how best you must learn how to open your heart and your treasure to God lavishly. After Solomon had sacrificed the several thousands of bullocks of lamb of at the dedication of the temple, God had to appear to him. That guy, tell me, what do you want? Just tell me, what do you want? He was ready. If he was to call all the names of his enemies, all the kings, all of them, from one generation to tenth generation, he was going to see it. If he was to ask for whatever land, whatever, I mean, anything, it was a blank check. Tell me what you want. What should I give you? You see, there are moments, there are opportunities that connect us to this kind of divine blessing. There are times that unlocks new dimensions in our life. One of the things that we should understand is that, you know, as believers, there are different things that God expects us to do, you know, on earth. I'm going to talk about that shortly. But what happens each time we visit in God's house is that we give ourselves the opportunity to connect with different dimensions of and I don't mean giving religiously. You know, there are some people that have de they've defined it that this is the amount I'm going to give in offering. Forget it. You know, this is it. You know, this is it. Out of the, let me just use an average, out of the maybe like 400,000, you know, the head every month, they've already cut it out that see, this is 1,000 is my offering. It's 1,000. One for first Sunday, one for second Sunday. 
Philippians for one night. <laughs> because you are not doing what the Philippians church did. And you are quoting their blessings. No. Yes. The blessing followed an action. The blessing followed an action. They give. They give. You know, you see the way I'm saying it. Give. Give. Like, they give. When it came out, they felt that something came out. They give. They give. We must change our mindset. See, there is no giving to God that can kill you. There is no giving to God that can kill you. Time is running. Number two, generosity unlocks prophetic communication. Generosity unlocks prophetic communications. Acts chapter 10, verse 1 to 4. But you can read the entire Acts 10, you know, to get the full picture. There's a man called Cornelius, a centurion. This man was always giving. You know, everything that he knows to do, he was doing it. And what happened was that the Bible says, you know, let's, let's just read it down. It says, about the night hour of the day, so we just can do from verse 3. About the night hour of the day, he saw clearly the vision, and the angel of God coming in, saying to him, Cornelius, verse 4. And when he observed, he was afraid. What is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your hands have come up for a memorial before God. Your prayers and your giving. Your prayers and your giving have come up as a memorial. Your prayer and your giving. You see, when people say that you can give yourself out of your small place, it's scriptural. It's scriptural. You see, the hardest thing that the devil will never allow a believer to do is for, you see, the reason why there are a lot of poor people in church is because of this. You know, it's easy to give your time attendance. Ah, please, you have come today and all of that. But to give out of a cheerful heart. Prophetic communication. And that was what changed the entire experience, you know, for the Gentiles. Then, of course, the Shunammite woman in 2 Kings chapter 8, when you read verse 1, he tells you about how the prophet that he has been entertaining communicated to her what was to happen. And she left the land before the whole famine came to the land. And guess what? By the time the famine was done, everything that she had, that she abandoned, all the things that she learned, everything that she had, that she abandoned. By the time she came back, Yazi was just telling the king about the story of the woman when she walked in, and everything that she left, including the interest of all of those things, they were given back to the woman. Everything. 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 You know, so, when your seed leaves your hand, they don't leave your life. 
keep multiplying, producing, and producing in you. It keeps producing. Number three, generosity prolongs life. Generosity prolongs life. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17. Proverbs 19, 17. It says, who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord. Let's see the NIV version. We pay back what he has given. There is the version that says loan. You can find it. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay you. Now, let me quickly explain this. Each time you express kindness, each time you give, particularly giving in courses or in situations where you know the person you are giving to cannot give you in return exactly. So if we say that we want to do an outreach somewhere, and we say that we are raising funds to do an outreach, or there is a missionary that has come to visit us, and we are raising funds to be a blessing to that missionary. You know, or there is someone who is in need around you, and you be a blessing to that person. He says, each time you do that, you are lending to who? To God. Another version says you are giving God loan. He says, every time you give to the poor, you make a loan to the Lord. Don't worry. You will be repaid in full for all the good you have done. Now, this is the point. If you make giving your life's task, and God has to repay, you know God does not hold anybody. It means that you can anchor your life on your giving. Because he has to repay you in your life's task. Ah, you didn't get it. He has to repay you in your lifetime. He has to repay you in your lifetime. Don't worry, you will get it later. You listen to me, you get it later. When you listen to the message, you pray, you'll see the game, you will you know, you get it. He must repay you in your lifetime. There's a king called Ezekiah. Prophet Isaiah brought in the word. Pack your pack yourself together. Prepare your family. You are going to die today. That's in Second Kings chapter 20. You are going to die today. You see, the guy just received the word from the prophet. I said, ah, thank you, man of God. He didn't insult the prophet. He said, thank you, man of God. And the man, as the man of God was doing, just turned to the word. Say, God, you know how I've been good. Everything you've asked me to do, I have been doing. You see, he presented his strong reason to God. As I've said, you can anchor your life on these transactions that you make with God. While the man of God was still working out, God spoke to him. He said, go back and tell him. I've had that 15 years. 15 years. 15 years. There is also another interesting one in Acts chapter 9. The story of Tabitha, called her daughters. She lived in the city around the year. This woman, she took it as a responsibility to be a blessing to widows. In addition to the 
what she does in the church, gives to the church, to the gospel and all of that, she takes care of the widows around her. And all of a sudden, in one day she became sick and she died. But you see, our generosity spoke for her. We can anchor our life on our generosity. She came back to life. The fourth point is generosity has eternal reward. It has eternal reward. Matthew 25, you can read from verse 31 to 41. Now we get it has eternal reward. Whatever it is that we give to enable the cause of the gospel. Using our local assembly as a case study, when you take it upon yourself that beyond your tithe, your offering, you know, all the limits that you have set, that as the Lord implants or imprints or, you know, nudges your heart to go the extra mile, you allow that to flow readily. Because, you see, when you have funds that are given towards the propagation of the gospel, was ensuring that people get the chance to learn about God's word, grow in the things of God, you never can tell the reach of the impact of those things. Someone will come around today, perhaps, listen to the message, get encouraged. From there, move on to do so many other things, impact so many people's lives. But you see, if there was no opportunity for even streaming, and that person heard the message, the result that the person will create will not be there. If there's no opportunity for those outreaches and people give their life to Christ, those impacts will not be there. And that's why when you read that place, the Bible was talking about, you know, the, the, one of the parables that Jesus was giving about the king. And he was saying that when people came and it was like, wow, when I was homeless, you gave to me. When I was in need, you gave to me. When I was in the prison, you visited me. And you're like, when did we do all of these things? He says, in as much you've done it to the least of your brothers, you've done it. You see, one of the beautiful opportunities we have as a congregation is that we get the chance to put our resources together as a church into this cause. So when the church puts money into prison ministry, you don't need to go and look for a prisoner to give them money. You are part of it already. When the church puts funds together and sets some people to go and reach out to people in your city, you don't need to be looking for people in your city of Adam. You are already part of it. And that's why if you remember that songwriter, it says, Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am alive that was changed. I am so glad you gave. You see, the question is, what will be the song? What will be the experience when you get to heaven? Will you be part of those people who will come and say, thank you for giving towards that conference. Thank you for giving towards that project. Thank you for giving towards that mission. Thank you for, I mean, when we have a mindset that encompasses all of these things, it is easier for resources to flow out. 
want to build businesses that we employ a lot of people, help a lot of families generate their household income. That's the reason I want to build businesses. And as you think about those people you want to help, the Holy Spirit begins to imprint ideas, winning ideas in your mind. If all you think about is yourself, your family, you can't get ideas that will take you beyond your family. At every point in time, you just realize that you are almost having enough for you and your family. But when you go beyond this, the Holy Spirit pulls our treasure. I wrap up with 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 10. This is the description of the position that God wants us to take. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, from verse 6. Can I get the TPT version? Here is my point. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest. But the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. Verse 7, we are going to send. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. The 44,000 guy. Not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving. All because God loves hilarious Generosity. Hilarious generosity. I mean, sometimes the kind of giving that people will hear and they're just laughing at you. Like, Are you kidding me? <laughs> yes. This is the consequence. God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace. Every form of grace. Grace to build our business to build our hope, to negotiate those deals, to every form of grace, so that you will have more than enough of everything. Can you see what unlock it is hilarious generosity. Hilarious generosity. Every moment and in every way, it will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. Make you overflow with abundance in everything that you do. See, the Bible says that do not be weary in well-doing, for you will reap the reward if you fail not. See, some of you might be wondering, oh, I've been giving, you know, you know, maybe I've responded once in a while, and you know, and all of that. See, when you give and you embrace the mindset that that my God shall supply all my needs. Because you see, in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, it says, For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. You must carry that mindset. I am rich. I am rich because I have the grace of God for abundance operating in my life. So when you're giving, you're giving with that heart that God is going to make all grace abounds towards me. He 
said I should give, and it should be given to me. I give and I receive in abundance. I receive in abundance. You see, there is nothing wrong in you giving to God and expecting from Him. The reason why you give to Him is because you believe your supplies from Him. Where there is problem is when you now decide in a month to give your 400,000. You know how people say, you know, um, to give in all your heavies, you know, to God for that month. Because 4,000 guys, you know, decide that this month I want to try the magic. He draws these 400,000 and dump it. And he goes to record that, God, I'm giving you this 400,000 so I'm expecting 4 million. And he's waiting. That is the four million I lacked. No. Not like that. Number one, the Spirit of God needs to inspire you. If it did not inspire you to drop everything, what you've done is you've gambled. God is interested in you providing for your household. The 400,000 is part of what you use to provide for your household. But what it does not want is that you limit your supply to just the 400,000. Because along the line that month, the things that you buy in your household that could have cost you 200,000 or 300,000, it can supply those things without you spending a couple. That's part of the blessing and manifestation. So at the end of the day, you are saving more than the people that are handing more than you. Because he has a way of meeting your needs. That's the way he works himself. He makes everything, everything, he makes it everything beautiful for you. And this is our hardcore as believers. We are not unbelievers who toil and eat out of their sweat. Whatever effort we put into our work. See, we are not indisciplined. We are not lazy. We embrace hard work to whatever description of it. We embrace smart work because the Holy Spirit inspires us to do the accurate things to do. But we work hard. We don't take the grace of God in vain. But guess what? After we put in all of those efforts, we don't get results that are equivalent to the efforts we put in. Our results are multiplied by the grace of God. That's when men wonder that how come you're doing this and you're getting this? What's the, the secret is the multiplication effect of the grace of God. I want to just rise up on our feet this morning and just give God praise. Let's bless His name. Let's worship Him because it's more than enough. This message is brought to you by the Lighthouse Christian Outreach Center. The Lighthouse, House 7, Plot 2, Slash 3, Kudratabiola Way, Oregon, Ikeja, Lagos. For inquiries, please log on to www.lighthousenergy.org for more.